Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Hallelujah. Come on, make a joyful noise in this place. Hallelujah. Woo, lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. All in this building, lift up the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes. Lord, you are so good, Jesus. Hallelujah. We worship you today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. A little old school. Amen. Man, that song's older than some of y'all. That's all right. Amen. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. Remain standing if you're able to real quick. Uh, today, is uh, w- this was not originally scheduled, but this is a special treat today. Pastor Tony Suarez is going to be speaking for us today. And uh, just so you'll know, he has kind of a standing invitation with us. I've told him, uh, Pastor Tony, he's very busy, he preaches all over the world. I said, but if you ever have a cancellation, even if it's last minute, you call me. We would love, if we're able to, we would love to have you come and minister to Life Church. Because how many of you know everybody at Life Church loves Pastor Tony? Amen. Well, that used to be a lot easier when he lived in Virginia Beach. He only had a 90-minute, well, oh, let me back, a two-hour drive. Uh, 90 minutes for him, maybe, but he only had a two-hour drive, so that was pretty easy. He could get up Sunday morning, come. But now he lives in Johnson City, Tennessee. I'll let him tell that part of the story but because uh, the Lord has been blessed, Brother Tony, amen. And uh, so he drove six hours last night to be with us. After church today, we're going to get a little lunch, and he's going to drive six hours home. How many of you appreciate him being here today? Amen. Pastor Tony, why don't you come up? Now, last thing I'm going to say before I hand him the microphone. Here's what I know. I told our team in the back. How many of you believe in divine appointments? I believe that God knew about this service long before we even thought about this service. I believe that whoever canceled, whoever was dumb enough, to cancel Pastor Tony, that's their loss and our gain, amen? But here's what I really want to say. God's going to speak to you today. God took time out of his schedule and our plan to interrupt you with a word. So let's ask him right now. Let's implore, let's ask heaven, God, I want you to speak to me today. And here's what I can assure you. I promise you, if your heart is open, there will be a word spoken today that can change you. Amen. Lift your hands. Let's ask him right now. Father, we thank you today. We understand the power of the preached word. You even said it is by the foolishness of preaching that we're saved. But God, right now, I pray you would speak to this church corporately, but also to every believer individually today. God, a specific word, a challenging word, a rhema word to us. We're ready to receive it, and we honor you, and we give you praise, and let the people of God give him a praise right now. Hallelujah. Would you praise God in this house? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor said, whoever canceled Tony is, they're dumb. 
Turns out I canceled the church, so I guess I'm the dummy. Okay. <laughs> Amen. So hi, guys. It's Tony the dummy. I'm glad to be here today. I'm kidding. It's so good to be with you today. You could be seated in the presence of the Lord. And I'm thankful for what the Holy Spirit is doing and what he is about to do. And I just got back from, uh, well, not just got back. I guess it's been a few weeks, but I just spent three weeks in Asia. And uh, I believe during our spring revival, I shared with you a story about a pastor that I had met, uh, one of the leaders of the underground church in China, and got to spend some more time with him. And uh, it gives you a gives you an appreciation. It really gives you an appreciation for the religious liberty that we have as a nation, uh, the opportunity to to even have a Bible, to just to just have a Bible. Uh, they were telling me that the government in China is retranslating the Bible to make Jesus to take any divinity out of Jesus and make him nothing more than just a mere human, and they're applying. Uh, aspects of socialism and and communism into this new government sanctioned bible they're trying to strip away any kind of divinity of jesus and so the underground church is trying to preserve the word of god they're just preserving the bible and it convicts me it convicts me because i i got a pile and and again no no condemnation okay it's it's 2019 i get it but i got a pile uh, broken down Bibles in my office. I mean, they're falling apart. Covers are coming off of them. Pages are torn and whatever. And there's people in, in other parts of this world that I, I their Bible might look more, but they're just, there's just a reverence. There's an appreciation. And sometimes you don't appreciate what you have until you're almost about to lose it. And so I, I don't take, I don't mean that in a condemning way. It just, it makes me thankful for what we have and what we're able to do every Sunday. And that's why we can't ever take it for granted. You can't ever take it for granted that God gave you a great great local church, a great pastor, that God gave you a Bible and a Bible app and discipleship material and Christian television and Christian media, and we just, we're just, we're blessed. Um, a man that I work for, Pastor Sam Rodriguez, uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes, Pastor Stephen Furtick, and a few other uh, faith leaders were called to meet at Facebook just about two months ago, and they were meeting with the COO, and I can't remember her name, it's Sarah, Sarah something, you can Google it, and Pastor Sam was here, he'd say, do your Google due diligence, but um, she met with them uh, because Facebook is trying to make more inroads into the faith community, and this is what Facebook said, not the church, this is what Facebook said, Facebook said the information age is over, it has come to an end, having information at our fingertips is no longer a new thing, it's normal, but they said that the next generation, not millennials, but the next one, that's genera- is that Z, Y, one of, the, one of the ones there at the end of the alphabet, so we know we're at the end of days because we've run out of letters. And so we're getting, <laughs> it's like, there's all, all that's left is the closing to the ABC song. And then gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to heaven, hallelujah. So, but whatever, if it's generation Y or Z, what they said is that this generation, this present generation, which my children are also part of, they said they are not part of the information age, they are part of the experience age. They don't care how much you know. They want to have an experience, and that's why social media has become all about the experience. That's why it's about videos and sound, and they're trying to incorporate, I mean, they're trying to build social media in a way that once you open your phone, turn on your laptop, however it is that you access social media, you become so uh, just uh, uh, captured in the experience. 
And she said, and that's why we brought you gentlemen to talk to today, because you all know how to create an experience. And they said, would you talk to us about how you create that experience? And those three preachers sat down and started talking to the COO of Facebook about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And they said, it's not something that we're doing. It's something that comes from heaven to the earth when people worship and praise God. People are hungry for an experience. And I don't want to take it for granted that every time that we come here on Sunday or Wednesday to a life group or in the car or in the house or any, anywhere I'm, I have that opportunity to have an experience with God and to worship him. And I'm, I'm just thankful today. Amen. Would you stand with me one more time for the reading of God's word? Hebrews chapter 12 had a little bit of a miracle happen for me this week. Apparently I grew because my pants are now too short. And I just, I thought I was, to, I'm just kidding. I'm trying to be cool and it's not working, but I'm trying. Anyways, Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1, the tailor said, he goes, that's how everybody's wearing their pants. I'm like, well, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll try. One of my favorite testimonies about coming to Life Church is that one time I came here to preach in red pants. Yeah, <laughs> did you see how many people remembered that? I was just trying. Like, I'm, you know, I don't know what about this church makes me bold. And I came in those red pants. And a lady after the service came up, and she's like, hey, Pastor, that sermon, wow, man, that really touched my life. But uh, maybe not do those red pants again. Just like maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe retire those pants. So um, you just, I'm just waiting on the word from the Lord about these here right now, you know. So anyways, we'll just, I already feel that word in the spirit, though. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, very well-known portion of the Bible. It says, wherefore seeing... That we are encompassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, I thank you. That your presence is already here. Now I ask that you'd open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to discern. What thus saith the word of the Lord. And I ask that you'll confirm it with a mighty move of your spirit. That when we leave here, we'll say, wow, what a God. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. You could be seated in the presence of the Lord. Um, I was with you in the spring, in December. I got married. I have 52 kids in my house now. We kind of It's like the YMCA at my house all the time. There's not a car big enough to fit everybody that lives in my house. We were going to get a little yellow school bus, but there's a lot of negative connotations. And so we're looking to get something for the house. We really don't know what it is, but Gene and the kids couldn't be with me because three-fifths of the, no, two-fifths of the kids start school tomorrow. The other three-fifths started school last week, and it's just chaos. So just please pray and send money. Anyhow, so thankful for what God is doing with those wonderful kids. When you say, why why'd Tony decide to drive six hours? Yeah, anyhow. So I am really happy to be with you today. There are a lot of names and attributes and titles and things that we associate with God. A lot of wonderful titles, a lot of wonderful things that we can call him. And there's, there are also a lot of negative things that we can speak of the enemy of our soul. This man that at one time was called Lucifer and others call him Satan and some call him the devil. Uh, one of those titles is that he is the father of all lies. And it's very important that you remember that that man that is tempting you, 
coming against your marriage, your money, your ministry, your self-esteem, uh, th- th- this, this entity, this, this network that is constantly attacking you and causing you to believe things is the father of all lies. He doesn't know how to do anything but tell lies. He is the father of all lies. He is the genesis of every false piece of information, not just to what he speaks before the Father, but he is the source of all false evidence and information that is in your mind, that's in your heart, and is in your DNA. One of, one of his many lies is to convince you that you are the only person on the face of the earth struggling with what you're struggling with today. He will convince you that your marriage is the only one that has this problem. You can go to a marriage seminar, and you can have the best of teaching. You can come and renew your vow 72 times, and you can do the photo. You can do everything and get in the parking lot and be like, yeah, but he doesn't know what it's like being married to you. My God, I felt a witness in the Holy Ghost right there. You can go and hear how, you know, it, you, you know, if you resist temptation, temptation will flee and God will bless you. God will protect you and, and, and then walk out and say, yeah, but they don't know what I'm struggling with. I'm a mess. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not like everyone. He, this, is, this is his work in your life causing you to believe that you're some kind of anomaly and that he could God could have helped millions of other people overcome sin and temptation and millions of others have overcome poverty and overcome sickness but there's something messed up in your bloodline and there's no hope for you and then beyond convincing you that there's something wrong with you you can hear 5200 testimonies of God saving delivering power and celebrate with everyone else and say he did it for everyone but he can't do it for me. But Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12 prove, they prove that others have run the race and not just run the race, they've won the race. They didn't just run the race, they've won the race. And it's important for you to hear this today because Hebrews 11 is sometimes referred to as the chapter of faith or the hall of faith. It's like the hall of fame of the Bible. All the good ones are there. You got Abraham and Noah and Sarah and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua, Gideon, David, Samuel, Barak made it. I mean, like everybody's in Hebrews chapter 11. And there's some other people in Hebrews 11 that inspire me if you look for it and understand it because there's a guy in there named Samson. Now, most people, when you say Samson, they say Delilah because that's how we're programmed. We're programmed to always think about the bad. You say son and you're thinking prodigal. I say Rahab, you say harlot. I say Bartimaeus, blind. Bartimaeus hasn't been blind in 2,000 years. Rahab left the business 6,000 years ago, and the prodigal son was found. He's no longer a prodigal. But we identify people by what they were. So I say Samson, you say Delilah. If you're Hispanic and you say Samson, you say, ah, que last, ah, Samson. Because we look at Samson as a failure, 
But if you read Hebrews 11, he made it into the Hall of Fame with all of the big shots. He's right there with Noah and with Abraham and Moses because Hebrew says that in Samson's death, he put more Philistines to dead. To, to, in, his, in, in his passing, he put more Philistines to death than he did in his life, fulfilling the purpose and the assignment that God had for his life. And that encourages me today because I don't identify with perfect people. I don't really identify with the super holy people, but you give me a Samson, you give me a David, you give me some people that have messed up in their life, and I can identify with them. And so when I read that Samson had his mess ups and he had his failings, yet at the end of the day, God's assignment was fulfilled in his life, I get encouraged because that lets me know that if God could do it with Samson, then God could do it with me. And if God could do it with Samson and God could do it with me, then you ought to get encouraged because that means he could do it with you too. Come on, somebody, give him praise here today. That lets me know that when God has a plan for your life, hell can come against you. They can, raise a, uh, they can raise a storm against you, but the Bible says the Lord will raise up a standard in your favor. It's good news because it can lets me know that I might fall, but I've already been guaranteed that if I fall, he'll pick me up seven times and he'll put me back on my path. It lets me know that even if I fail, he is faithful and just to forgive a multitude of sins, and he's good, such a good God that he'll let me even walk in circles for 40 years in a wilderness until I get my mind right so that I can possess a promised land that he already established from the foundation of the earth. What I'm trying to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, is that you can't lose this race because it's already been established. You're going to win. You're going to win. You're going to win the race. That's good news. You're going to win the race. And the faithfulness. The thing is, these heroes of the faith of Hebrews 11, what makes them, what makes them Hall of Famers is their faithfulness, to, their faithfulness to the promise of God, even when they fail. Because there's not a lot of perfect people in this book, ladies and gentlemen. But they are faithful. And their faithfulness is an encouragement to me. Because it reminds me that I'm not struggling alone. I'm not facing this thing alone. There are others. In fact, not just a few. There are multitudes that have gone before me and they've struggled with the same thing and they've had the same battles, but they endured to the end. And because they endured, they ran the race. So even though we face hardships and discouragements, and sometimes it's easy to lose sight of the big picture, I'm encouraged that I'm not alone. Many have already come through this life. Many have already endured the test. And Hebrews 12 and 1 says that they are this great cloud of witnesses. This great cloud. A few years after, after Jessica passed away, uh, Michael Michael was going to run in a 5K. She was in girls, uh, girls on the Run, I think it's what, what it's called. And so Jessica had signed up to run in that race with her. And, and obviously the Lord had other plans. And so, you know, this is in the season. I'm stepping up and I'm being mom and I'm being dad. And you, if you, I, know, I know you remember. I know you're kind, but I know you remember. I used to be a little heavier. And so back then when I said a little heavier... Um, I just, you know, I had, I, I'm just going to tell you, I had not run a lot of races since elementary school. But when all of that change happened in our lives, I jumped up and it, 
it hurt to jump back then. And so I jumped up, and I'm like, Michael, I'm going to run in that race with you, baby. I'm going to run. I'm going to run in that race with you. She's like, thank you, Dad. And then I had to read, you know, 5K. That's like really far. Like it's, it's a lot. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, what am I going to do? I just like, because sometimes you make decisions out of emotion, and then you think later, you're like, oh, ooh, uh, oh, till death do us part. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I thought, you know, I just... I was just hoping this beat till 2020. Don't be like that. I'm just saying, sometimes people make decisions out of emotion that they didn't think all the way through. Now I got this little girl who really counting on her daddy to run. And so, and I'm, I, it sounds funny, but there really was. There was a support group for parents that were going to run in the 5K. And so I signed up for the support group because, like, I needed instant therapy for this thing. And so... The thing is, and as I've told you before, I can hardly go anywhere and not get sermons. I get, that new Lion King movie, my God, am I ever going to preach a revival off that Lion King movie. Woo! I get get encouraged by anything. So I go to the support group for parents that are going to run in the 5K. And the lady said to us, she said, look, there's a few things that I want to tell you today, but here's the most important thing. She said, it's important that you start but it's more important that you finish. And right away I'm like, like where's my catcher? Oh, no catcher, then I'm just going to have to shock a move right here alone. I mean, she's just preaching to me. She said, it's important that you start, but it's more important that you finish the race. And she looked at us and she said, you will finish the race. And then it's like, I felt like I was in Pentecostal church. She said, look at the person sitting next to you and say, you will finish the race. Well, I'm like, touch three people. Bro. I will, I will, I will finish. I will finish. I will finish. Like, my God, this is like being at Megafest right now. You will finish the race. She said, now there's three things you're just going to have to remember about running the race. She said, don't wear, don't wear too much because all that extra weight is going to weigh you down. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. And she said, and I want you to run, but don't run too fast because that will slow you down. And she said, and then lastly, keep your eyes on the prize. I'm like, lady, I want to book you to preach a revival today. My God in heaven. Hebrews 12 says that we are to run the race patiently. Somebody say Patiently. You start too fast, and you'll get tired. Run too hard, you'll get tired. Slow and steady. You don't try to do too much, but you just run with patience the race. I think, and any office fans in the room here today, one of the great philosophers of our time, Andy from The Office, hallelujah, said it the best in the very last episode, in the last two minutes. He's gone on to his dream job. He's gone on to doing everything he ever wanted to do in his life. But now in the last two minutes of the last episode, he's back in the office with the people that he was trying to leave in the job he was trying to leave. And he's talking and he's reflecting to himself. And he said, you know, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days while you're actually still in them. Because we run so hard and so fast, we don't appreciate day-to-day life. I'm a driven person. That's good, but it's really bad. Because I will forget to enjoy step one because I'm so focused on how do I get to step ten. So I'm the guy that looks at this, and I'm not like, oh, we get two and three and four and five and six and seven. I'm over here like this saying, how can I... 
10. Good, I'm done. But there's a whole story right here. There's all kinds of things that happen between 1 and 10 that actually build your endurance so that you don't have to stop at 10, but you can keep running the race and keep walking. There's a lot of things that sometimes we just blow right by, and we don't learn the lesson that God's trying to teach us. But rest assured, he's such a good teacher, he'll make sure you take the test again. So not too much weight. You don't start too fast. And you run with patience. You take off the unnecessary weight. Don't make it harder than it needs to be. Don't, I, I, we had, I, I, and, and forgive me, I'm not, I, I believe, listen, I believe in spiritual discipline. Everybody needs to have spiritual discipline. You need to pray, you need to fast, you need to read your Bible, you need to tithe. All those things you need to do. But do it with patience. Run the race. But don't, I mean, you can't, you, you have to do it patiently. Somebody came to me, I'm not, and I'm not exaggerating. Somebody came to me and said, Pastor, I read in the Bible that Jesus fasted 40 days. He said, I feel in my spirit I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to fast 41 days. I'm like, man, if you are trying to beat Jesus, my God, sir. <laughs> it sounds cool. I'm sure you'll get a lot of likes on Facebook for it. But I'm not trying to do extra things that are going to weigh me down. I'm just trying to win the race. And so I take off unnecessary weight. I run patiently and I keep my eyes on Jesus. I don't look everywhere else. I don't look at who has a bigger house than me right now or who looks like they have more money than me on Facebook. I don't look to see who looks like they're preaching in more places or they're doing more. I, I can't do that because it distracts me from the race that I'm supposed to be running. I keep my eyes on Jesus. I keep my focus on him. Sometimes, you know, they put in Chicago, they do a lot of those horse-drawn carriages in the city. They do that in New York and other major cities. And they put those blinders on the horse so that the horse doesn't see all the chaos that's happening all around them. The Holy Ghost needs to put some blinders on us because we can't be distracted by politics. We can't be distracted by our haters. We can't be distracted by anything that's taking my eyes off of running the race and getting to where Jesus wants me to be. And now, what I really came to talk to you about, it's these clouds. These pretty, cute, rabbit-looking clouds. These clouds. I was flying a few days ago, and I was coming from Columbus home. And there was a lot of turbulence in the plane. A lot more turbulence than what I felt in quite some time. We were rocking and shaking and I was a praying through. I mean, I was at my spiritual apex on that airplane. I'm not going to lie. It was quite bumpy. Quite bumpy. So bumpy. How bumpy was it? So bumpy <laughs> that the attendants looked nervous. Now, here's my rule about flying on airplanes, and maybe it'll help you if you have any phobia about flying. When the, when the plane starts bumping and a rocking and moving and a shaking, I look for the flight attendant. And if the flight attendant is on Facebook... God bless you, flight attendants. Or if the flight attendant is still serving coffee and tea, I chill. I don't worry. Because she's on planes every day. He or she is on a plane every day. And if the storm isn't freaking her out, it's not going to mess with me. I'm all right. It's when I see the flight attendant sit down with the rosary and start saying, oh, oh there I'm God, Jesus. Then I'm, then I'm like, here, okay, I don't know how to do it, but help me. Give me some beads. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. That's when I get nervous. They get nervous, 
I get nervous. And on this particular plane, homegirl's getting a little nervous. I'm just telling you right now, she got a little nervous. Now, all of that storm, all of that bumpiness is because we were flying through clouds. These clouds that from the earth look pretty, they look cute. People look at clouds and they say, hey, what do you see? I see a bunny. Oh, that one, that one, that one looks like Simba. That, that one, and, and, and they all look cute. Ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing cute about a cloud. A cloud is a storm. Inside of a cloud, there's turbulence and rain and wind that's going like this. And when you fly through the cloud, you're, I mean, you're bumping in the shape. There's nothing cute about the inside of a cloud. They look good from a distance. But the closer you get to a cloud, the more you realize there isn't nothing nice about this thing. They look fluffy. They look like marshmallows. But that's a storm. And God said that you are encompassed by a great cloud of witnesses. And when you look at their lives from a distance and you see Moses and Daniel and David and all these great heroes, you look and you say, wow, these mighty men, these mighty women of God, look at who they are. But the closer you get and the more you study their lives, ladies and gentlemen, there's nothing cute about their lives. They had to endure hell and high water. They had to endure persecution. Some of them were put to death, but they are a great cloud of witnesses because when you look at them from a distance, you don't see the storm all you see is the beauty of the cloud and I'm here to prophesy to somebody today I know that the closer I get to you all I see are storms and I see drama and I see turbulence but before this thing is over and said and done with when people look at you from a distance they're not going to see the ugliness of your storm they're going to see the beauty of your cloud because you're not going to give up you're going to run the race and you're going to win the race somebody give God praise Abel was killed. Noah was ridiculed. Abraham used to be a pagan. Moses killed a man. Rahab had her issues. And then it goes on and on. And it tells about all these people. And then it gets to the good part. It says, what more shall we say? It says, time, uh, what time would fail us to tell you about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Another guy and David and Sam and Samuel and all of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms. This is the good part, right? They subdued kingdoms and they wrought righteousness and they obtained promises and they stopped the mouths of the lion. Ooh, that preaches good right there, right there. Quenched the violence of fire and escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong. But then it says, But others, somebody say others. Others had the trial of cruel mocking and scourging and moreover bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn asunder. They were tempted and they were slain with the storm. With the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins. They were destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And that is who the Bible calls a great 
cloud of witnesses. The people that were wandering, they lived in mountains and dens and caves and they were persecuted and they were afflicted and they were stoned and they were murdered. But God calls them a great cloud of witnesses because they endured to the end and they won the race. And ladies and gentlemen of the Christian jury, if that is true of these heroes of the Bible, then it's going to be true about you as well. I don't know what you've had to endure before, but before it's all said and done, you're going to win the race. And somebody's going to look at you and say, look at that cloud. Look at that example. It's because of them that I'm still running the race. Somebody give God praise today. Your greatest victories will be defined by your greatest battles. Greatest testimonies will come out of the greatest mess that you've ever had to live through. But if you'll run the race, if you'll just keep running the race, your name Because there is coming a day where that eastern sky is going to part and a trumpet's going to sound. And those of us that remain on the, on the earth are going to be caught up to meet him in the air along with the, our loved ones that have already passed away. And ladies and gentlemen, on that great day in heaven, there will not be a hall of faith. But he will say, well done, perfect servant. To, he'll say, well done, my servant, to every one of us. And on that day, you'll be just as prestigious as Moses, as David, as Gideon, as Barak, as Samson, as, because you'll win the race. I know we don't like participation trophies here on the earth, but when we get to heaven, he's going to say, You're, it's going to be like Oprah, and you win, and you win, and you win, and you win, and you win. Because you didn't give up. But you got to run the race. I have gone through a lot of stuff in my life. I'm not very old. I'm about to be 40 years old. I've, I fancy myself a younger person, but I realize that somehow all of a sudden 50 is like, oh, yeah, man, you're not too Oh, yeah, that's cool. Like 50 used to be, and like now it's, it's like right there. And like the older you get, the faster it comes. Like, like I'm like, the devil is a liar. 41, you get behind me in the name of Jesus. I'll put you under my feet. I'll rebuke you gray hair in the name of Jesus. And just for men right now, you get behind me right now, Jesus. <laughs> I go, to lay <laughs> I go to lay hands with a little just for men. I'm like, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Got black oil dripping all over my face. I'm like, <laughs> God's been good to me in my life. I've, I've endured a lot of hardship. I've gone through things that no one should have to live through. But God's been good to my family. God's been good to my babies. God's been good to me. And recently, musicians get ready because I'll be done in five minutes. Recently, somebody came up to me, and I was kind of, I was kind of at a, like, not one of my good days. And you're like, oh, Lord. Yeah, I, 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 there's something was going on that day, and I just really wasn't at, and, and this, this, this younger guy, younger guy, he's maybe 20 years younger, just kind of starting out in the ministry. He was talking to me. He said, man, I want what you have. And it just kind of, it, it just is one of those days where I shouldn't have talked because it hit. I'm like, really? Do you want to go through what I went through? He's like, oh, well, see, uh, yeah, see, I was just wanting that mantle. I just want that. 
And, and I felt bad later. I called him later. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm a jerk. It just, it, it just because there, there has been a price. There is a price to pay. I've told you this saying before, but I, I, it's something, it's in my heart. Like it stays in my spirit. Bishop G.E. Patterson of the Church of God in Christ. He said, salvation is free, but it ain't cheap. Salvation is the free gift of God, but this hasn't been cheap. This has cost us a lot. That praise, when you see someone praise, you can't judge their praise because you don't know what it cost them. You don't, you don't know what it cost them to get to where they are. And so anybody that is blessed, anybody that I know that is blessed has had to endure some stuff in their life. They've had to live through some stuff. And so I, and so I, called, the, I called the young guy and I said, man, I'm sorry, just you caught me on a bad day. I, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it like that. I, you know, I should, but but, but at the, there, there is a price. There's a price to pay. Sometimes you got to praise God when you don't feel like praising God. Sometimes you got to pray out of a healthy habit, even when you don't really feel like talking to God. Sometimes prayer is sitting in silence, but it's just forcing my body to say, I'm going to have time with God today. Sometimes it's giving when giving really isn't what's on the menu for right now. But I do it because I know the blessing of the exercise of giving. Sometimes it hurts, but I'm encompassed by a great cloud of witnesses. I'm encompassed by my father's testimony and my grandfather's testimony and those that have gone on before me and those that have mentored me and pastored me and spoken into my life. See, I'm a byproduct not just of what I've had to endure, but what they've endured as well. Because it's through the lessons that they learned through their storms that they deposited something in me that helped me to be able to overcome my storm. And now I'm being a part of a cloud of witnesses for another generation, and they're going to overcome as well. But they'll be the byproduct of this cloud and that cloud and that cloud and that cloud. That's why it's important that you win this race because you're not just winning it for you. You're winning it for your children and for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Stand with me. These last 48 hours, I got to practice what I preach. I flew out to preach in Sacramento, rented a car like I always do, drove to Stockton to have lunch with uh, a friend, family friend, someone who's been in my life since 1999, a mentor, a pastor. It's his birthday. Just so happens that my favorite Chinese restaurant in the world is there. And it was more about him, but it was kind of about that Chinese restaurant over there called Dave Wong's. And so I drove 55 miles for Mongolian beef Szechuan chicken, Wong's fried rice, hey, Jesus, and lettuce wraps, hallelujah. No spare ribs because I'm on a diet right now. But everything else, they have the best cherry Pepsi because it's not like out of the font. Like they take this, oh, I fucking... Let me sit down and tell you about their chair. Anyway, okay, so anyhow, it's really good. I do the drive. I get out there. We're talking. We're having a good time. We're reminiscing. This is someone that has been in my life through all the good and all the bad, and we're just having, we're just having fun. We're talking away, and the host comes up and says, uh, excuse me, is one of you driving a red Mitsubishi? And I, I'm like, yeah, that's my rental. She said, yeah, it was just broken into. I'm like, oh. So I run out to the parking lot, and see, I had come from the airport, was going to have dinner, 
and then I was going to have to go to church to preach. So I had my suit, everything. I had everything in the car because I was going to go to church, change my clothes in the green room, and then go right out to the platform to preach. And so all my stuff was in there. They took everything. They took my, I mean, they, they, took, they took the iPad and the AirPods and, the, and my shoes and my belt and my tie and my car key to the car I had parked in Tennessee. And they took my Bible. And in my Bible, I carry a few things uh, I'm, I'm, a senti- I'm a sentimental kind of whatever person. My wife calls me a hoarder, but I call it sentimental. And I carry a lot of old stuff around with me all the time. And, uh, but it, it, and she doesn't say this about my Bible. But in my Bible, I, I have a note that Zach wrote to me uh, when we went through what we went through. And it's just, he wrote it in crayon. And I just keep it in there to remind me what I kind of come home to. That's to remind me about responsibility. And then I have one of my dad's handkerchiefs, and not to be weird, but I've never washed it. It's there. To me, it still kind of smells like him, and it reminds me where I come from. And it reminds me of the anointing that's been in my family for four generations. So I keep all that in my Bible. Bible's gone, handkerchiefs gone, notes gone. Every, everything's just gone. And I got to go preach. I'm like, oh. And I wish I could tell you that I'm so spiritual. I'm like, hallelujah, anyhow. And I danced around that car, and I Jericho marched, and I said, blessed be the name of the Lord. I wish I could tell you I did all that. But I was driving back to church. I'm like, come on, God, I got to preach tonight. Man, I don't even have notes now. But like she said, she goes, hey, just do what you normally do. Just tell some jokes and funny stories. (laughs) I'm frustrated. I could go preach. These people, you know, they've come to a conference and, you know, because of lettuce wraps, I didn't take the luggage out of the car. I'm just feeling bad for myself, feeling sorry for myself. And I, between you and me, and don't sell this anywhere in California, but between you and me, I kind of wanted to just go, like just leave. Like, and I really did. I thought about it. You know what? I'm just going to go to the airport and fly home. I don't feel like preaching. I was in a bad, bad mood. And then I got to thinking, now Suarez... You're all over social media telling everybody that it doesn't matter what comes their way, they need to trust in the Lord. They got to praise the Lord. And this is one of those, Suarez, you got to practice what you preach kind of moments right now. If you're going to tell everyone else to say hallelujah anyhow, then you got to say hallelujah anyhow, even though you don't have anything anymore. So I did it. I didn't say I felt it, but I did it. I said, all right. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Just like that. Just, I'd like to tell you the Holy Ghost descended. There was gold dust all over the car. I fell out and I saw angels. I wish I could tell you that. Nothing. Nothing. Felt nothing. But you know what I did? I kept doing it. <laughs> I kept doing it. And when I got to church, those people had drawn heaven to the earth through their praise. When I walked in, I walked in to a service where the power of God And that leads me to a point I wasn't going to make, but I feel like it's important to say right now. See, sometimes you need someone else to help you bring heaven to the earth. Because sometimes sometimes somebody's going through something, and they rely on your faith, and they rely on your praise so that they can walk in. Come in. You've had to have it, too. You've had to rely on someone. There's a man in the Bible that needed four people to rip open a roof for him to be able to get to Jesus. There's just sometimes someone might need your praise, and that's why we can't ever come in here and not give him everything he's worthy of. So I walked into the service, and 
the presence of God was there. Now, I had already called the pastor and told him what was going on and what I had lost and everything going on. And I'm just, I'm feeling sorry for myself. It's not that I can't go buy new stuff, but that's my stuff. I mean, I just, you know, I feel, I've been walking around for two days. Ask my wife. I've been a pill for the last two. The, the, I got home yesterday and every, any t- I've been a pill. I know I have. Don't, you know, don't tell her I admit it, but I mean, I've been a pill. And every time she's like, hey, hey, I'm like, stop. I'm a victim. You don't know what I went through this week. I don't know how much longer it's going to last, but I can go buy new shoes. I can go buy a belt. It's just that nobody likes to lose. Nobody likes to have to go through anything like that. But I walked into that service, and these people are worshiping God and praising God. And I already had done all the poor me, whatever. I'd called the pastor and told him everything I'm going through. And I show up, and I, I go to sit on the front row. And, and you know, good habit or not good habit, you know, I don't wear socks. Just just been rough. No, I just, I don't know. It's one of those things. And so, you know, I don't really wear socks, but this is, you know, this is one of those churches we got wear suit, tie, cuff, you know, like, so I'm like supposed to be in formal wear and I'm sockless and let alone, and not beyond that, I don't have any shoes. I got what basically look like flip-flops on with a suit. I mean, I look like John the Baptist down here and the banker up here and I'm just like, <clears throat> and I'm feeling pretty bad about myself. All, ugh. And everyone else is standing and they're worshiping and I'm just sitting in my preacher chair right there. And while I'm sitting there doing my little, my little thing there, some guy walks up to me and says, hey, Pastor Tony, I heard what happened to you. I'm so sorry. Here, uh, I brought you socks. Another guy walks up to me and says, hey, Pastor Tony, Pastor told us what happened to you. Uh, what size shoe do you wear? I said, and I told him, he goes, well, you know what, man? Somebody bought me some some shoes, and I, I'm never gonna wear them. I don't wear dress shoes. Would you? Would you? And so now I got socks, I got shoes. Another lady walks up to me and she says, "Pastor, I heard that they took your Bible." I said, "Yeah, they took my they took my Bible." She said, "Well, I had a Bible that someone gave my husband, but he doesn't speak English, and they gave him an English Bible. Uh, would, would you like Would you like this Bible?" And then the one that really caught me. I mean, like you can't. I mean. Only God. This is God. This is when God preaches to you, you know. And then this kid walks up to me. His name's Isaac. He's supposed to be my interpreter. It's a bilingual conference, and he's supposed to interpret for me. And he said, I heard what happened. He said, I heard about that handkerchief. I know that's very special to you. He said, my grandfather was a preacher. My grandfather was the bishop over all the churches in our denomination in the country of Nicaragua. And he said, one of my most prized possessions is I have one of my grandfather's handkerchiefs. And he said, Pastor, I, I, know it's not from, I know it's not from your grandfather or your dad, but I want to give you my grandfather's handkerchief because the same anointing that was on your dad is the same anointing that was on my grandfather. And I went to that pulpit to preach with a borrowed handkerchief, a borrowed Bible, borrowed shoes, borrowed socks. But as I'm sitting there, God's opening my eyes. Tony, in my kingdom, if you'll just run this race. Loss comes. Defeat comes. Discouragement comes. But restoration comes. And restitution comes. And I'll, get, I'll replace the things you lost. And not only that, remember, behold, I'm the God that makes all things new. Now, can I tell you something about getting all that new stuff that I got in the last 36 hours? The stuff I lost still hurts. If I really start thinking about it, it hurts because I bought those shoes and I bought that belt. But I've got to make a decision. What am I going to focus on? 
everything that's gone wrong or all the good things God's trying to do for me. It's a decision that I have to make. And I'm not downplaying hurt today. I'm not downplaying the struggles of life. But at some point, I got to make a decision. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to keep running the race because I am going to win this race. I'm going to win this race. I'm going to win it for me. I'm going to win it for Cole, Michael, Zach, Mylon, Macy, and all the other kids that live in my house. And they're, and they're, when, they, when I'm a grandpa, I'm winning this race so that multiple generations know that though we fall, we get back up. And though loss comes, God will make all things new. He is the God of restoration, and he is the God of restitution. Hallelujah. Somebody praise God in the house today. I don't know what you have been dealing with on your race. I don't know how bad it's been or how much your side hurts from running. I don't know if you're dehydrated and you just need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit or another drink from the fountain of new life. I don't know what you need today, but I know a God. I know a God. I know a God who walked on the waters. And while the disciples were fearful of the waves, he walked on the waters and he was putting every wave under his foot. Everything that they were fearing, Jesus put under his feet. With every step, he got closer and closer to the boat. And I just, I just have a hunch. I just have a hunch that the master from Galilee is walking through your storm. And every wave that's been beaten against your boat and has been crashing against your life, the master is putting under his foot. He's putting it under his feet. He's putting it under his feet. And I'm speaking over you. I, I, I speak a mass prophetic word today. You're going to win this race. You're going to win this race. You're going to endure to the end and just like Samson and just like David and just like Gideon and just like Abraham they're going to say of you they ran the race with excellence and now they are a great cloud they're a great cloud they're a great witness to the miracle working power of God if you're in need of a healing today miracle uh, a miracle you need God to move in your life. At the count of three, I want you to join me in this altar. I want to pray with you, and then let's pray together. And then I believe that God, I believe this week, I, th I believe this very week, I'm believing that he's going to show himself the God of the breakthrough. The breakthrough, the God of the breakthrough. He's going to make a way. One, two, three. Would you join me in this altar right now?
Let me pray over you today, and then we're going to lay hands and minister to you. I'll remind you today that with God, nothing, nothing is impossible. I was preaching in Houston just two weeks ago. I was preaching a sermon that I entitled The Begotten Blessing. It's about the importance of protecting your marriage, protecting your family, and the blessing that your family is. And a couple testified the next day. They said, Pastor, we were in that service. We filed divorce papers. We've been married 18 years, but we've had it. We filed divorce papers, but God touched us in those services. We've ripped up the divorce papers, and we've decided we're going to reconcile this marriage. I only say that because I feel in my spirit that maybe there's someone struggling here today, and you need to know you are not to give up on this race just yet. You keep running the race. You keep running the race because you don't know how close you are to winning this race. You don't know how close you are. You don't know how close you are to winning this race. You don't know how close you are. If you're able to, would you raise your hands in the presence of God? Now, Father, I have preached your word as you've given it to me. Now, I know that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can even ask or think. I know you're a way maker, a miracle worker, and a promise keeper. And I ask that in the next moments, I ask that the miracle touch of heaven would fall on your people. I speak healing. I speak deliverance. I speak restitution and restoration. Let joy come again and happiness come again and laughter come again. Let them sing again. Let them rejoice again and let them dance again. Let them see that they have endured and they are about to win the race. Father, I thank you that what has been a storm is about to become a distant cloud and I'll be able to look at it and say look what the Lord has done now by the authority of the word of God and the power of Jesus name be healed be delivered be restored touch right now by the power of God lift your voice and begin to praise God as the Holy Spirit moves in this place hallelujah to the Lamb of God take me to that place Lord to that secret Take me to that place, Lord, to that sacred place where I can be with you. You can make me like you. Bless you in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless you in Jesus' name. I bless your family in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah.
right now. Let's just lift our hands all over this place. That's it. And receive what the Lord has said to you today. Father, we thank you today. God, we receive your word, Lord. We receive your word. We receive the strength that comes from your word. Come on, that's it. God, I thank you. God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Lord, I believe you, Jesus. I believe you, Jesus. I believe you, Jesus. I believe you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. God has spoken a word of encouragement to you. Receive it. Amen. Don't let the enemy take it from you. God, I receive it today. I receive it today. I receive it today. I receive it today. I receive it today, Lord. I receive it, oh God. I receive it, oh God. I receive it, oh God. Nothing is impossible with you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.